Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Have you ever wondered, maybe, maybe it's just me, but have you ever wondered, how are we supposed to to have the right view in light of all the wrong things in this world. Come on. Am I the only one that recognizes the fact that how difficult it is at times to have the right view in a wrong world? Or or, or let me say it this way. How are we supposed to sort through what culture is saying and portraying and have a worldview that aligns with God's word? It's a struggle, isn't it, church? It can be difficult to sort through the culture and what people are saying. And let me ask this question. Maybe it's just better. How are we, as the Bible says it, how are we supposed to be in the world, though we're not of the world? I think that's the question now today as we as Christians embark on a journey, watch this, to not take on the world, but to influence the world. And I'm so excited because over the next four weeks, Pastor Jacob and myself and all of our campuses are unpacking God's culture, kingdom culture. Because you have the world's culture, but then there's a worldview that we need to have called a biblical worldview. And that's the kingdom culture. Matter of fact, you might be asking, what's a worldview, Pastor Chris? Let me just say this very simply. It's the way you view the world. You're going, wow, that's profound, right? And it's not. It's the way you view yourself. It's the way you view your neighbor. It's the way you view news and everything else that is in there. And it's natural to see things your way or our way, right? But however, we want this world to be like Burger King where you can have it your way, right? But just because we want it our way doesn't mean it's the right way or the best way. And so what happens is, is we have this filter that we put things through where our beliefs and our, really our convictions are formed, watch this, formed through how we filter the world. That's why we believe it is so crucial that as we walk and lead you in this time, that you can see that where there's a biblical right way to view the world. There's a right way to view your brother and your sister. There's a right way to view people on Facebook. There's a biblical and right way to view all the things happening today. And as we unpack over the next four weeks, we want to help you understand how to view the world God's way. Because your beliefs are forming you, whether you know it or not. My, my, my son asked my wife, uh, my nine-year-old son asked my wife a uh, an interesting question, which she didn't know how to answer. She knew how to answer it, but it was caught her off guard where she was, he was sitting in the back seat and he just randomly popped a question where he said, mom, what's divorce? Now, number one, I love that my, my son is asking that question because here's what's that telling me. Both of me and my wife came from divorced homes and listen to me, we broke that generational curse in Jesus name but he doesn't know what it is. He's going, what's divorce? And my wife's like, well, it's, it's a, um, uh, right? Because you can explain it, 
But here's the tough part about it. My wife felt the weight of seeing the filter of which he now was going to view marriage was going to be based upon what my wife defined divorce as for my nine-year-old son. Think about it for a moment. What was it going to be? Is it going to be, oh, well, that's when people hate each other. We don't, your brother and I are going to do that. Just, it's okay, it's fine. Or is it going to be, you know, buddy, because of sin, the world has fallen. It's broken. People are broken. But can I tell you, buddy, that's never how God intended it. Let me tell you how God intended it to be. So watch this. When you have that, it shapes his worldview to become a biblical worldview, not based upon cynicism or pessimism, but based upon God's word that there's always hope for the redeemed. That is hugely valuable today. And it's hugely valuable not just for my son, but because we all need help. We need the help because we're processing things like politics. We got elections coming up. And some of you are standing really hard on one side and some of you are standing really hard on the other. And you're like, I'm not budging. You're more for Republican or Democrat than you are for Jesus. And you're standing your ground and you're not knowing how to filter through all the news and all the doom and gloom that's coming at you. I mean, for some of us, we're we're processing through just abortion in general and all that it says and all that it means. And some people are like, this hurts me. And some people are like, I'm cheering. And some people are like, you're going to hell. And we don't know how to process everything. And it can be confusing. Some of you, and this is big in our day and age, the world is throwing this at us. Some of us are processing and don't know how to process sexuality as a whole. You know what's really tough? Is when your sexual preference becomes your identity. And it becomes the thing on which you view everything in this world. It becomes your race almost. But my question is, is that biblical? It's not, this is, we're not gonna get into right or wrong. We're getting, is that the biblical worldview that we need to have? How are we supposed to respond? So the aim of this series is to help see the world, not our way, but God's way. Not a worldview, but a word view. So let's pause for a moment before we dive into God's word and begin to unpack. I wanna teach a little bit this morning. Can I teach? Can I? Can I do that? Yes, do I have permission? Yes and amen? Thank you. Thank you. I'm gonna do it anyway, whether you like it or not. But let, let's, let's understand the culture we live in today. Because how many of you know, you can't move to where we wanna be until we know where we are. You can't deny the world we live in. But as we look back, this country was founded upon Christian ethics, Christian principles. It was founded upon Christ. You can deny it all you want. History shows it. They came over here, broke away from the church to say, we believe in religious freedom. We believe in the freedom to worship God the way that we want to. And we're gonna build our government and the foundation of our country upon this word. What God says is what will go. And they did that. That's great. Yeah, it's great. But how many know we're far from that? (laughs) We didn't get there in a day. We drifted very slowly. You don't get to sin in a day. You drift very slowly. And we've drifted very slowly. And now, let me tell you where we are now. Now we're in this mix where there's a remnant of Christian ethics. Watch this, but it's watered down by the worldview. So now we have this gumbo that tastes terrible and none of us know how to stomach it. 
Let me, so we live today, let me define it for you. We live today in what is called a post-Christian culture. Everybody say post-Christian. If you know what that means, it's like after Christianity. It's post, it's kind of Christian, but it's not Christian. Let me help you define it. Uh, Mark Sayers defines it by saying this. This is so good. He says, post-Christian culture, listen to this, attempts to retain the comfort of faith while gutting it of the costs, commitments, and restraints that the gospel places upon the individual will. That's so good. Post-Christianity intuitively yearns for the justice and peace of the kingdom of God while defending the reign of the individual will. Listen to this. We want the kingdom, but we do not want to acknowledge the authority of the king. Somebody, if that's not the world we live in, I don't know what is. We want to stand up for justice and peace for what is right, but you forgot where we got that right from. So we want to throw this stuff out and say, but it's still right. That's why there's a remnant of Christianity in it. There's a remnant, there's a mixture, but it's not the biblical worldview we need. A more modern way to define post-Christian culture is this. I love the way that John Mark Comer says it. He says it, post-Christian culture in his attempt to move beyond Christian vision while still retaining much of its scaffolding. I love this. It's a reaction against Christianity and is like our rebellious teenager moment. We're the stereotypical adolescent kicking against our parents' authority while railing against all their flaws while still living in their house and eating all their food. Come on. Let me say it right this way. We want to have our cake and eat it too. And you just can't do that. That's not the worldview that we as believers have the opportunity to have or should have. Because many people claim to be Christian but don't have a Christian worldview. And let me say this right now. This is not your fault. It's not all your fault. It's, it's not all your fault. This is not just, it, it, it's actually partially your fault. Listen to this statistic that I found in a new study from Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University found, listen to this, that only 37% of pastors, I'm gonna say it again, of pastors have a biblical worldview. So watch this. How can we expect the sheep to be going in the right direction if the shepherd's in the wrong direction? Come on. How many of you are so grateful that we have a church and we have pastors that will stand on this word with love and with truth? We will not waver. We'll do it. Because Pastor Jacob and Miss Michelle have been doing it for the past 40 years. And we have a church that will stand on the word of God. And we welcome all here and we love you all. This is a hospital for hurting, not a palace for the perfect but we stand upon the word of God and I refuse. You can remove me from this pulpit if I water down this word. Because shame on me, shame on me if I only give you the good stuff but don't give you the truth that goes along with it. Because we all need help with this biblical world view. So I'm gonna do my best Pastor Jacob and I are gonna do our best over the next four weeks to help you see what God has helped us see through his word. And in this series, we're gonna look at four different scenes. These are all themes, or we call them scenes in the Bible. Big, massive scenes that take place in the Bible that help us with our biblical world 
view. And those four scenes are this. You saw them in the video. The first one is creation, which we're going to talk about this morning. The second one is the fall. Pastor Jacob's going to talk about what that meant, what that caused for us. The third one is redemption, how Jesus came and redeemed us from the curse of the fall and how we have hope in him. And then the new creation where he's going to come back again. Hallelujah. Come tomorrow, Jesus, please. All right, where he's going to make things good again. But this morning, I want to focus on the book of Genesis. Matter of fact, I want us to rewind all the way back to the beginning. Now, how many of you remember, maybe you're like me, you remember what VHSs were? Come on, somebody, please tell me. Okay, you're waving at me because you're old. Okay, I see you. You remember what, I remember it looked like this giant Bible and you had it and it was like, weird and, and just, you had the tape that came out. How many remember? I had my, finger, my little finger in there rewinding it all the time and going back. And then the only way you could like get new of these VHS is you go buy them at a store, but you would go to a place called, how many know called Blockbuster? I don't know if you've ever heard of that place before. How many have heard? I got my Blockbuster card right here, y'all. <laughs> ah! Oh my gosh. It's not even mine. It's great. It's great. It's not even mine, but I don't even know where. This is a relic. This is like, I need to frame this, right? How many remember you go to Blockbuster and you would go and you'd go on the shelf and you go, I got to go pick a movie. And then it would be out and you're like, oh, I got to wait till next week, you know? And then you like, you can't stream it. So it doesn't just come on automatically. And you would go and you would take it and you would take it to the register and they would, this is when the barcodes were new. How many remember the barcodes? They're like, are you going to scan it? They're like, beep. I'm like, I'm a member of Blockbuster. Can't even be a member to my own library. I'm a member of Blockbuster though, you know? And then they would charge you, like if you were late over three days, it's like 50 cents a day. You're like, oh. now we're like, please charge me 50 cents. Inflation, that would be like $20 today. So, but you would, you would go. And if you remember, the point I'm getting to is you remember on each of the videos that you would, that would come in that case, that chunky big case, and you'd open it up. And on the inside, it would have some words that would say, please be kind. And come on, we all know it. So catchy. I want us to do that this morning. I want us to hit rewind and go all the way back, back to the beginning, back to when God said everything was good, back to the first book, the first chapter, the first verse. Why, Pastor Chris, why are we doing this? Listen to me, please don't miss this. Please don't miss me. Because if we don't go back to the foundation of where things started, we can never build off of that view right there. So this is foundational. You might be going like, oh, creation. What about evolution? And what about, listen, I'm not, (laughs) we don't have time to go there, okay? And this is not about creation. This is not about evolution or not about evolution. If we came from monkeys, why are there still monkeys? That's my only question, but still. This is about building a worldview that is founded upon the word of God. 
This is about building a worldview founded upon the word of God because the book of Genesis, though it was written thousands of years ago, is a book about the beginning. It's a book about origins and it's still relevant today. Why? Because it asks questions that we're still asking, like where do we come from? Why are we here? Or it also tells us what is right, also tells us what things went wrong and what we need to avoid. And almost every major doctrine appears in seed form in Genesis. So let's begin looking at scene one at creation at Genesis one, chapter one, verse one. You ready? Let's do this. Let's dive in this morning. Here's what it says. It says, in the beginning, God. Just gonna even stop there. In the beginning, God. Now, some of you, if you did a Bible reading plan, you read this on January 1, and you didn't get any further past that, right? <laughs> in the beginning, God. In the be- Those four words are vital to building a biblical worldview. Why, Pastor Chris? Because everything starts with God. Everything starts with God. I'm going to say it again. Everything starts with God. And it is foundational to where we are going. When I was in the NFL, we would start training camp and you would have guys that, I mean, I played that time. I played 20 years of life. I started at age eight and played all the way till I was 28. I had 20 years of playing football, right? And there are some guys who played a lot longer than I did. So you have all these veterans who have played before and we would go to training camp. And on day one, this is crazy. We're like professionally paid players. We, on day one, we would walk in, we would go out to practice and our defensive back coach would go, okay, guys, let's learn how to tackle. I'm like, coach, if we don't know how to tackle right now, we shouldn't be here. I'm just saying, but here's what he told us. He said, we always go, have to go back to the beginning to see how to do it the right way. Because if you don't know how to do it the right way, you're going to end up hurting yourself and other people. Look at me, church. If we don't go back to the beginning, that in the beginning, God, we're not gonna just hurt us, we're gonna hurt others. We're gonna hurt others. So in the beginning, God, meaning God was eternal, meaning before there was a beginning, there was a beginner. Before there was creation, there had to be a creator. Right? He has always been and will always be. My kids can't fathom that. They ask, they ask me questions like, hey, daddy, where did God come from? Who created God? Now, that sounds like something that a creation would say because we naturally know where we come from. We were created. Watch this. Where did God come from? Where did God come from? And the comforting thing about knowing that God has always been and will always be, is that he will never change. That he existed, listen to me, before the world was created and he will exist eternally after the world passes away. And this is so comforting for us because as trends come and go, as opinions come and go, as people and politicians and presidents and feelings and emotions will come and go, God has always been and will always be. He just is God. And if I can understand the creation of our God, then he's not God. It literally voids the discussion. He's not God if I can understand how he was created. So we have to accept the fact that God, in the beginning, God. But he didn't just, wasn't just God. 
It said, verse one, in the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. First point I want you to see, and this is huge. I'm gonna give you three foundational biblical worldviews, truths to found ourselves on, to really build upon. And the first one is this, that God is the creator of all things. You're going like, duh, pastor. This is hugely valuable because everything else kind of goes off of this. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Genesis chapter two, we're gonna go through this. Now the earth was formless and empty. There was nothing. And darkness was over the surface of the deep, but the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Pause. The idea here is that there was molecules and matter, that there were things floating about that God spoke and there was no order, there was no function, there was no earth and it was chaotic. But there was the spirit of God hovering over the face of the water. And then we see God begin to do something. He begins to create in a whole different way and bring order to the disorder. He brings light to the darkness. Verse three, here's what he says. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that light was good. I always thought this, isn't it interesting? It's like God saw light and he's like, oh, this is awesome. Look what I created. That's pretty good. He saw that it was good and he separated, that's big, separated from the light from the darkness and he called the light day and he called the darkness night and there was evening and there was morning the first day. What a great picture of God, our creator. But more importantly, can I just go back? What a great picture of how we were before we came to Christ. Dark, void, formless, I don't know about you. I might've looked formed on the outside, but when I didn't know Jesus, I was formless on the inside. There was nothing in my heart. It was darkness. And I'm so grateful that God didn't let me stay in that darkness, but he turned on the light and his name was Jesus. His name is Jesus And he said, let there be light in my heart. And he gave me eyes to see the light. He created me to be born again by the spirit of God. And now we are people of light, not people of darkness, because that's what God calls us. Matter of fact, we talk about light and dark in the New Testament even. Here's what John says in 1 John chapter 1. Excuse me, in John chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Here's what he says. The New Testament, thousands and thousands and thousands of years later, says this. In the beginning, doesn't it sound familiar? He's doing something there. In the beginning was the word. He's talking about Jesus. And the word was with God and the word was God. He's talking about Jesus. And he was with God in the beginning. I'm gonna say it again. He's talking about Jesus. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Meaning he made all things. I'm just gonna, in him was life. And that life was the what? That's the light again was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness. I love this. And the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is the light that brought life into the world. And God brought me and you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then watch this. God said, light and dark have to separate. 
Because light and dark cannot coexist in the same space. Well, what does that mean for me, Pastor Chris? If I am a light, if Jesus calls me the light, then how am I supposed to coexist with darkness? Listen to me. You don't escape darkness. You shine in the darkness. You shine in the darkness. Because the problem is we have a mob mentality. Anybody know what a mob mentality is? Let me, let me, let me use an example for you. You're at a restaurant. You're eating there. It's loud. It's fun. It's a Saturday night, right? People are there enjoying themselves. There's a crowd in the corner that they're a little louder than most. And they're there in the corner and they're having a good time and they're having fun and they're eating dinner. And all of a sudden, the waiters and waitresses, the servers come up and they start singing, happy birthday. How many of you know that? And it gets loud. And all of a sudden, you look over because we're just curious by nature. We look over because we want to see who's celebrating a birthday. We look over and all of a sudden, we find ourselves singing, happy birthday. And you're looking around, you're like, to you. And then you get to the name, happy birthday to you. Dear, and you don't know the person's name because they're at another table. And you're like, dear, Chris, 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 Chris. Happy birthday, right? You don't know the person. But the mob mentality is if everyone is doing it, then we better do it too. Then we better join in. But light and dark must be separated. Pastor Jacob would say it this way. I love the way he says it. He says, if the whole world is saying the same thing, it's probably not biblical. If you sound like everybody else, guess what? It's probably not biblical. Well, everyone's gonna shine their light, so I just expect there to be, no, no, no. If everyone is, I don't care how good you think it sounds. If everyone is barking the same thing, Fox News, CNN, your mom, your dad, your papa, your auntie and them. Watch this. It's probably not biblical. Why? Because God has separated light from dark. And in that separation, we begin to shine even brighter because the only way for darkness to win is if the light fails to show up. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5. He said, you are the light of the world. Notice he didn't say, I am. He said, you are. We are. We're a light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So we have to let our light shine. Not so they can see us, but so that we can begin to show up and show out for God. This doesn't mean that I write on Facebook that I don't like people. Not like you've ever done that before. But this means that I shine with the light and the grace and the love. Watch this. And the courage to stand when everybody else is saying something different. We show up. We show out. But God doesn't start, stop there in Genesis. He begins, continues to create. And in six days, he creates all things. And on seventh day, he rested and God said after each one of those, for the most part, he said it was good, but he wasn't done on day six. This is where I want to jump down to the end of Genesis chapter one, where God created the best thing in the world, me and you, okay? He created us. Here's what he says, and this is huge. It says Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says this, then God said, 
He doesn't have to do it. He can just speak it. God said, let us make mankind in our image. That's the triune God in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground and all the hunters said, amen. And so God, listen to this, verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. You notice he had, he had to say it twice in a different way because he knew how dumb we were. He said, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. I'm like, are we doing like a Yoda thing here? You know, like you, yes, we are. Like, what is this? Here's this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. Second foundational biblical worldview that I want us to see this morning is this, that God clearly distinguished and defined all things. What do I mean by that? Listen to me. It means if God defined it, no one else can define it. It means if God separated it and defined it, then who are we to sit here and define what it is? I am not here to define marriage. I am here to show you how God defines marriage. I am not here to define male and female. God already did that, male and female. I'm not speaking against anyone or anything. I'm speaking for God. Listen to me, because it's his word. It's his word. It's his word, not my word. And I want you to hear the love and the grace, and you're gonna hear in just a second, you're gonna hear the identity because God never wanted to leave us without clarity. He never wanted to leave us without clarity. So he separated and he delineated. It means he defined. He defined what it was. He distinguished what they were. And it matters because as he said it, it is that. If God said it, I believe it. If God said it, I believe it. So what if I sat up here and then the teachers in school, did the same thing. We just go, hey guys, the sky is green. <laughs> you guys start laughing. You're like, oh, no, really, the sky is green. And you're going, what? And then the teachers had to teach it because it's what they were told to teach, that the sky is green. And the, the sky is green. And then you have pastors get up here and say, the sky is green. No, 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 you don't understand. I feel that it's green. Now you're looking at me going like, get this man off the stage right now. And the reason that you're saying that is because if God already made the sky blue, who am I to tell you that it's green? Why would I say that? So if anybody tells you that the sky is green, run. It's a cult, okay? Because God already defined and distinguished all things. And he did it through us. Listen to this. He defined and distinguished you and I as image bearers of God. Come on, somebody. I don't know if you know this. I'm an image bearer of God. Like, think about it just for a moment. I just like pause on that. Just 
We read over it all the time, profound statement that God in his ultimate wisdom, goodness, created us in his image. And what that means for me and you and for all of creation, all humankind is this, is that no matter who you are, you have an intrinsic value that I cannot deny. And that intrinsic value has nothing to do with who you are, what you say, what you do, how you look like. It has everything to do with that God created you in his image. With that, watch this, because some of you don't see people the same way that God does. With that, if I can disagree with you, but guess what? I need to demand respect from you and for you. Why? Because you're made in the image of God. 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 We're made in the image of God. And it gives us a value that we naturally don't see. Because, listen to me, when we're reading this in context, chapter one of Genesis, we don't get to sin until after chapter two. So what are you saying, Pastor Chris? It means he now created a world where there was no sin, there was no hate, there was no division, there was no perversion, there was no distortion, there was no manipulation. This is the way, he said, you have value. And because God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, God still sees the valuable image that you are, even though we have all this dirt over us. There's an intrinsic value because male and female are created and valuable and made in the image of God. Black and white are valuable because they're made in the image of God. The unborn are valuable because they're made in the image of God. Democrats and Republicans are valuable because they're made in the image of God. We're image bearers. And God begins to define us and he gives us our identity. Maybe you've been to a party before. Maybe you've been by the, you know, by, with a friend or just meeting someone even at church. One of the first questions that you get is, hey, what's your name? And then what do you do for a living, right? I hate that question, yet I love it at the same time. Because especially as I was in the NFL, what would end up happening is they go, hey, what do you do for a living? I'm like, I play in the NFL. And they're like, what? You do? Because they look at me and I don't look like I do. They're like, are you a kicker? I'm like, no. <laughs> I wish I was a kicker, but still. But because but right away, they would see what, they would hear what I do and they would paint an identity of who I am. And so even now today as a pastor, it's actually quite comical doing it. I'll be at the ballpark. Dads will be around. We'll just be talking like football stuff. And they'll be like dropping F-bombs and S-bombs and uh, bombs. And they won't know I'm a pastor. I love it. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool, man. Cool, cool. And I don't really care. And they're like, so what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. And they'll go. (laughs) They're like, I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. Right? Because they, they think what I do is who I am. No, no, no. I happen to be a pastor, but first I'm a man of God. You might be in the oil field, but you're a man or woman of God. 
You might be a mom or a teacher or you might, whatever you do is not who you are. You are made in the image of God, have the likeness of God himself and begin to exude that to all who are there. You are valuable in your identity. So guess what? My political party is not my identity. It's not my identity. My skin color, look at me, is not my identity. It's not my identity. This is a big one. My sexual orientation or preference is not my identity. That's not how God defined it. And if he defined it, it is done. He didn't define your identity by what you prefer sexually. He defined it by how he created you and how he meant for you to be. I'm not defined by my marriage or my job, my feelings, my height, my weight, my heritage, or my Cajunness. I'm defined by God alone. Because he distinguished me, he separated me as an image bearer. And he defined me that because I bear his image, I have value and identity in him. And then he did something else. This is the third foundational biblical worldview. We have to build on this, is this. Number three, is that then God has given us purpose. Look at me. You're not an accident in this world. You're not an accident in this world. Because at the end of chapter one, God does something to us and for us that he doesn't do with any of his creation. Remember, he created all things. We already made that. He separated them. He distinguished them and he defined their purpose. Land, sea, water, skies, earth, heavenly beings, whatever. He defined them, but he does something with us that he doesn't do with any other thing he created. And he gives us purpose. Verse 28 of chapter one says this, but God blessed them. God doesn't bless animals, he blesses people. God doesn't bless, listen to me, God doesn't bless governments, he blesses people. God doesn't bless the United States of America, he blesses the people of the United States of America. God blessed them. And he said to them, he gave them purpose, be fruitful and increase in number. Come on, men. Yes, ain't amen. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves upon the ground. He gave purpose for us. Watch this. To reproduce fill the earth and to have dominion over it. We are called to represent God and rule for God. Our purpose for Adam and Eve and for us is to produce life and to rule and stand and be an image bearer for God. And when I say produce life, it's not just have babies. But because you have the light of Jesus in you, Everything you speak, everything you do, everything you say produces life or produces death. But we are called to produce life and to rule. I mean, to stand up, watch this, 
when everyone's barking at us, we can stand still and say, you can bark all you want. My God says it this way. I'm not going to deny it. I'm not going to deny that. I'm not going to deny that. So what is Genesis teaching us about creation? It tells us that life and identity and value all come from God, the creator, and that it's good. But he ends the chapter like this. Here's where we close. God doesn't just say it's good. God says it's very good. Genesis 31, chapter, excuse me, chapter one, verse 31 says this. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. (laughs) And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day, which means this. Look at me. Being male is very good. Being female is very good, though I've heard. I haven't experienced that. Here's what he says. Marriage is very good. The one thing that God said was not very good was for man to be alone. He said marriage is very good between one man and one woman. It's very good. Sex in marriage is very good to reproduce. Children, though are very expensive, are very good. And what he said was human life is very good. This is so vital because this is God's original design before we messed it up. This is the way God sees the world and created the world and wanted the world, but we jacked it up with our sin and disobedience. And God said it was very good and we messed it up. But we have to go back to the beginning. And we have to remember the original design is not how we're living now. I have the blessing of counseling a lot of married couples. And what I've noticed about married couples is when they come to me, no one ever comes to me with a good marriage. They always come to me because there's a problem. I never get a couple that says, we just wanted to say hey to you and just sit down and like, we're good. No, they're usually barking at one another. They're usually he did this or he, he did that and she said this and he does that and he, I don't think he loves me and they're barking back and forth and I'll just listen for a few minutes, tell me what's going on. And then I'll do this. Every now and then I'll go, do you remember how it was before you were married? And you should see her face light up. She's like, oh yeah. Like he would give me chocolates every day. And he would write notes. It was a little creepy at first, but it was good then. You know, give me flowers. And like, she would then begin to remember how it was in the beginning. Because no one gets married to try to make things that were broken better. No one has a terrible dating relationship that goes, hey, let's get married. You want to do that? Yeah, sure. And then I'll ask him, do you remember how she was? At the beginning, he'd be like, yeah, she actually liked me at that time, right? And they'll begin to both go back. And here's what it does. It takes them back to the beginning, to the original purpose. The original purpose of why they got married wasn't to fight, wasn't to argue, but was to do life with one another and pursue God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. We just got to go back, church. This week, you may leave with more questions than answers. 
I'm okay with that. You might leave. It may have sparked something in you. It might question what you're doing, and that's okay. I want you to process either with your small group. I want you to process with someone you're walking with in discipleship. Begin to ask those tough questions, but listen to me. You gotta be willing to go back to the foundation to fix what what you're building upon. Because more than likely, it's probably off. If the house is crooked, it's not because just one stick, it means the foundation was off. back to the beginning because in the beginning God walked with us he talked with us the Bible says he walked with Adam and Eve in the coolness of the day there was a relationship there like none other and when sin broke that apart it broke our relationship with God our father and with one another watch this and Jesus came not so just that we could be free from sin Not just so that we can enjoy life and have a license to do whatever we wanted to. But Jesus came and died on a cross and rose from from the grave to give us life and to give us access with our Father once again. To go back to the original design and say, I'm going to make it how it was supposed to be. I'm going to make things right. Because in the beginning, Father, we thank you for this wonderful day, God. Thank you for your word that transforms. It does. And I pray for every man, woman, and child in here or that's listening, that's online or on a podcast, God, I pray right now that you would bless them. As you blessed us back in the beginning, would you bless them now? I'm praying for those that don't have a relationship with you here and now, God, that they could see the the errors, not just of our ways, but of the sin of this world, how it corrupts and distorts and perverts. And I know the Holy Spirit right now might be pricking at your mind, at your thought, at your belief system. I want you to be okay letting him tear that down and build upon a solid foundation of who God is and what he created for you and from you. But we can't do it alone. We can never get right with God. Only Jesus makes us right with God. It's called being born again. We don't do it. The Holy Spirit does it for us. And it gets us back into a relationship with God the Father. This morning, I want to offer that to you. If you're here this morning, say, Pastor Chris, I want a relationship with Jesus. I want to be born again. How do I do that? It's as simple as A, B, C. A, we just admit we're sinners. We're all broken. We're in need of a Savior. B, believe that what Jesus Christ did on the cross was enough to cover our past, present, and our future sins. And see, we confess him as Savior. He saved us from ourselves, saved us from the sin of this world. And now he is Lord, he is boss, he is king over every aspect of our lives. Maybe some of you have been here and been in church for a while, but never been born again. On the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. By raising your hand, you're saying, Pastor Chris, include me in that born-again prayer you're going to pray this morning. I don't want to embarrass you. No one else is looking. It's just me. But on the count of three, if you're going, Pastor Chris, include me in that born-again prayer. Today, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. I didn't ask if you wanted to go to church or become a member. I asked if you wanted to be born again. One, God brought you here. 
two, he is calling you home. I want you to raise your hand. Three, if that's you, raise it high. Just wave it at me. I see you. One, I see you. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Anyone else? Eight, nine, 10, 11. Awesome. 12, I see you. 13, 14. Thank you. Put your hands down. If you raised it once, you don't ever have to raise it again. You now begin your relationship with God. But if the last 10 seconds are for you, see, Pastor Chris, I should have raised my hand. If you want to join those 15, raise it now without hesitation. 16, I see you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, church, with all those hands that were raised this morning, we're all going to say this prayer together. Repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go and rose on the third day to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from my sin to be born again. Say this with me. God is my father. Jesus is my savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen.